What's happening, guys? I hope everyone is having a splendid day, and welcome to episode six of the Prime Life podcast. So I'm super excited to get stuck into the podcast with you all. But before I start, I just want to give a quick shout out to all the amazing sponsors of today's show. This episode is sponsored by a product that I absolutely love. It is called Spoonful Botanical. So I've been using this product for the last six months, and I just want to give you a little background on the product itself. This is an all-natural homemade food product that helps with inflammation and AIDS recovery. It's basically a blend of high-quality herbs, spices, and fermented fruits, which have renowned properties to combat inflammation and can be taken on a daily basis. The product is actually inspired by ancient Indian wisdom, and there is currently no other food products like it on the market. I was actually introduced to the product from a friend of mine, because I used to get a lot of pain in my knees when running, and it was mostly when I was doing long-distance running. And I found I wasn't able to run for like three or four days later. I couldn't run the next day, and my knees were all inflamed, and my joints were inflamed. And since taking the product over the last six months, I've actually noticed a huge improvement. I mix it in with some Greek yogurt, I throw it into my tea at night, or I just take a spoonful whenever, whenever I'm in a rush, and it's absolutely delicious. So for me, it's a great preventative way to fight any inflammation that you might have, and it's a great way not to take any anti-inflammatory drugs. So I really do recommend this product to any athletes or anyone who wants an all-natural way to improve their well-being in general. Please check out their product online at spoonfulbotanical.com, uh, where you can get a full list of their stockists, or you can order directly online on their website. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Nuts and Grains. So Nuts and Grains is a bit of a staple in Mullingar, as they've been around for over 35 years. And we're actually one of the first health food stores in the country. Now, what I personally love about this store is that it's just basically a one-stop shop for all your health and wellness needs. They stock the latest quality products from whole foods and naturopathic remedies to sports and performance supplements and everything in between. Now, unlike a lot of health stores across the country, they actually have their very own nutritionist, naturopath, and even have their own chef. So you will 100% be in good hands when you walk into their store. Their staff is super friendly and knowledgeable and can help answer any questions you may have around any of your health and wellness goals. They ship their products worldwide through their website, nutsandgrains.ie, and if you use the promo code PRIMELIFE10, you'll get 10% off your next purchase in-store or online. Go to nutsandgrains.ie to check out their full range or call into their store in Mullingar where you will be well taken care of and looked after by all their staff. And please do not forget to use PRIMELIFE10 in-store or online to avail of 10% of your next purchase. All right, folks, let's get started on the podcast. So my guest today is one of the most intriguing, energetic, and warm-hearted rock and roll performers in today's Irish music scene, Ethan Scally. So he's known for his wild and controversial antics on stage, but also expresses a softer side of himself through poetry and actively getting involved in local charities. I believe that an important part of personal development is understanding and embracing every aspect of who you are. And my guest today is someone who just does that. Scally embodies what it means to be yourself, regardless of what anyone else thinks. And that was a major theme of our conversation. 
We discussed everything from rock and roll to religion, from magic mushrooms to mindset. And I hope you all get as much out of this conversation as I did. So without further ado, my conversation with Scott. Eaton Scally, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, son. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. We've been trying to get this on for a while now. We have. Eventually, we've uh, cemented down a date today, which is great. <laughs> yeah. I know, the old diaries were pretty full up, so <laughs> I know, but we got here eventually. Your love for music, mm-hmm. creativity, poetry, even I could put down, yeah. expression of, of who you are. Yeah. Where did this all begin, Scally? Well... Like, going way back, I suppose, like, the whole love of music, like, has been with me since I've been a little lad. Um, do you know, my granddad, Patsy, was a great singer, and he still is. He's just not be well by times now, but he's still all right. He can still hold a tune when he's not too drunk. Um, but, yeah, he was a great singer, and he got me into, do you know, I suppose having that foundation of always watching him singing, um you know, it was really good. And then I did, my ma had me in like, uh, always had me in plays and musicals and stuff. And then I like started doing Elvis and all this. So it used to be, you, you know. You were at some Elvis thing here recently, weren't you? Was oh, yeah, that? yeah. That was another thing we did yeah. with Connor. We've, um, we started filming a docu- an Elvis impersonator's documentary. There's these lads that go around like impersonating Elvis. And, um, yeah, we've started filming that. Now, that's something else. We've so many projects on the go, but that one is kind of a bit further down the pecking order, but it's something that we definitely want to do. It was uh, it was in the back end of nowhere, and it was this Elvis festival. <laughs> yeah, and all yeah. these people out <laughs> dancing on the street, worshipping the king, like, and it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> well, it was on all these Cadillacs and everything. And, oh, so many he was a big part of your... Yeah. Love of music growing up. Yeah, well, growing up then, like, I was mad into the king, and he, um, you know, I used to always be singing all the old Elvis songs and that. And me, ma, we were in, I was just saying, like, I was saying to your uh, fiance, Grace, that uh, we went to America when I was really young. And one of the places my um, ma brought us was uh, to, to Graceland, to Elvis's house. And it was like my kind of surprise. And we were driving along and she was like, Do you know, are you getting any clues yet? And here was this signs for like Graceland. And I was I was just buzzing. And my ma actually packed, because I used to be doing all the shows and I used to be doing Elvis and all that, my ma actually packed um, my Elvis costume and my wig and everything. <laughs> so I was only, what age? Like, I was 10. And I was going around out, like, out in Elvis's house dressed as Elvis. And my mad made me this costume, and it was class. But I was going around, and, like, the place was jammed. And I, like, my mad was like, oh, she thought there'd be a few people dressed as Elvis. But I was the only one about 10, I think it was 9 or 10 years of age. And then, like, there was all people, like, asking me for photos and all. And there was these, there was this woman, she was like, you and now a big mama's house. She's like, oh, my God, it's a little Elvis. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I was there outside posing, like, with the cape, the all that, you know, the finger pointing in the air and the hip thrust and all. But, yeah, so, like, but then, like, you know, I always just loved music and, um, and I was in college then. I was in college in Minute, and then I went to, uh, 
did a master's in UCD and then went back to Minute for another two years. And towards the end of um, my time in Minute, I was just, I was writing a lot and I had a real desire. Uh, I was writing really kind of good creative stuff and like just singing melody, different melodies into my head. And then I was like, fuck, I want to, never mind all my college after spending six years in college. See, I wanted to be a teacher. And I got like to, I was doing my teaching practice in the school. I was just having to do so much like work that I wasn't really enjoying. And I was like, I spent six years studying this to get to this point. And it's after taking me to now to realize I don't want to do it. So then I went home and I was like thinking to myself one day after like been teaching. It's like, what am I going to do? Now, were you teaching at this stage? No, well, I was doing my teaching practice. Oh, you're doing, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you're like, you're in college and then you you do your block teaching of whatever. I can't even remember how long it was now. A couple of months, I think. And, um, yeah, and I was doing the odd day. They were giving me the odd day subbing as well. And then I was just like, oh, no, this isn't for me. And then I was like, what am I going to do? So I said, you know what, I'm going to start a band. <laughs> and then I was going out with a girl at the time and like she was looking at me like I had 10 heads. Um, so then I started, yeah, I got like, um, I had a few boys together. Uh, my friend Damon Moran that you know and Lurch and uh, Shane Kennedy. And we were, playing, we were playing a couple of tunes that down in the shed and trying to write a couple. And a couple of them are still alive today that we... Uh, that we wrote but we never made it as a band out past the shed you know so um Kenno and the boys told me that they weren't really around as much and they wouldn't be able to do it they had other commitments Kenno was into the drift in the cars and stuff Lurch was mad into the football and Demo was playing football and had a few other bits and pieces going on as well but I managed to reel him back in um yeah, so he was working with me on a couple of ideas and a couple of tunes, and then I just went to an open mic night one night, I think it was in Daly's, and I said to Paulie Martin, who was a brilliant guitarist, I said to Paulie that um, there was a, f- a fella playing there, he was just sitting in, jamming away, and he sounded really good, you know, and I said I said to Paulie, I was in Rochford's then one of the days, buying a couple of bits, and uh, I asked him, who was your man? And he said, Ben Mulligan. And I said, is he good? I said, because he sounded good the other night. And he said to me, yeah, he's tasty. So I went and approached him. And then he was like, oh, no, I'm in a band already. And then I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then I was like, yeah. And then I was like, how good are you? And he was like, oh, yeah, we're all right. And we're writing a couple of tunes and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, because I knew, even though I had no band, I was like, I just know I was like you won't be as good as the thing I have going on in my brain you know so I gave him like I kind of stepped back away then and then I rang him about about a month later or about six weeks and I was like well how's that band going he's like yeah it's all right but it wasn't going all right I don't think um and I was like look do you want to come down and just go through a few ideas with me and then he was like yeah for sure and demo as well and then I was like, do you know any bass players? And he was like, well, the fella in my band, the one that Ben was in, Keelan McLaughlin was his name. He said, uh, yeah, should we bring him down? And I was like, yeah. And, I, and then he was like, I was like, do you know a drummer? And he was like, yeah, it's the other fella in my band as well. I said, sure, bring the two of them. Bring the two of them down. And then we just had a jam in my fucking shed with the tools all over the walls. And it was my dad's shed, like... Um, 
And from there, then the band, the business was formed. The business. The yeah, business, the yeah. Business. That, was it. <laughs> that was it, man. We were the business, all right. But yeah, so we had some really good tunes. Like, some of them are like. What was the first song in the business again? Uh, Guilty. Guilty. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I actually yeah. only released that. But you only like, released a video there last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, we had Guilty and Get Ready for War and a few others. And that band went really well for a while. Um, and then, yeah, it was such a good buzz. We played lots of garden festivals and all that. And there was like quite a bit of a buzz about us. Um, yeah, and like people were all coming to the gigs and it was it was cool. And it was really good vibe. And uh, yeah, but then Demo left after about a year. Um... And I was bit, I was disappointed, you know, because he was my friend, like, you know. Um, he was a decent rhythm guitar player as well. Um, but, like, you know, just doing it with your friend gives it a bit more, you know, it's a bit more special. Because I remember we were playing Danny Burns Garden Festival one night and, like, we were playing Guilty, I think it was. And I remember, like, it was jammed. There was about, there was a huge crowd in it and, like... All singing back, like one of the best buzzes I guess when the people are singing back the tunes, you know. And like, there was about 200 people there, and most of them were all like singing it back to us. And I was just like, you know, most of the time when I'm on stage, I'm jumping around the place or going mad or whatever, but like, I was just briefly kind of stopped them for a minute and I was looking across at them or playing away the guitar and then singing, doing the backing vocals as well. And I was just thinking, and I was just like, we wrote this song in my dad's shed, do you know what I mean? And now we're just on stage and everyone's singing back to us, you know? It was just such a, I yeah, suppose... a special moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between, like, to think that you did that in your garden shed with your best yeah. one of your best buddies, like, you know? And now here you are, like, rock and people are singing it back to you, do you know? Um, that's one of the main reasons you do it. So I was really disappointed when... Well, not disappointed, but just saddened that Demo left. But he had other, he had other stuff going on in his life... Um, you know, just starting to get like his develop his career and stuff properly, which is fair enough. They they were right, so we decided just to take a break from gigging, kind of rebrand, not rebrand because we didn't think of it as rebranding. We wouldn't have those kind of commercial ideas about it really, but just change the name, write loads of new tunes, and come back with a slightly different sound look. You know, and so then we, um, or I think I christened us the Resurrection. The Resurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, so I thought it was a good name. I still think it's a good name. It is a good name. But then Eddie Eddie came along, did he? And so Eddie Reynolds, your uncle Eddie, um, I know I started to get to know Eddie before that. You know, mm. he'd actually seen us play as the Resurrection in yeah. Thomas House on Thomas Street in Dublin, just down the road from Vicar Street. And, oh, I uh, know that place. I've never been to that spot. Is it yeah, it's, spot? it's it's all right. Like it's and a kind of rock pure, and roll. Yeah, yeah, rock and roll dive bar. Dive kind of, bar yeah, 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 pure fucking yeah. dive bar. Like, but it's it's cool. There's good jukebox and shit in there. But um, yeah. So Eddie seen us play there with Cronin. I think it was one of the nights, and uh, he thought we were good. And but me and Eddie, I'd start to meet Eddie in the discos and that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So me and Eddie started. It's just we became friends first. Really, I think. And um, well, there's, there's any man who loves music, he loves it. Yeah, he's, he he's does. Really he's a legend. He lo- he's it. mad into his music. He's mad into his Led Zeppelin and all that rock and roll stuff. Um, but yeah, so Eddie was like, I'll write tunes with you if you want. So I was like, right. And then we started messing around with a couple of ideas. Um, 
one or two of them were all right. He started to kind of learn a couple of the songs that I had with the Resurrection. And um, see, at that time, though, I was like thinking to myself, uh, right, I'm going to keep doing the music. And I said, I'm going to get a band together. I don't care who it is because we had loads of stuff recorded. And it was myself and Ben who had predominantly wrote like 90% of the tunes, you know. Um, so I was like, I'm going to bring those with me, like, you know. So we managed to get Ben then back on board. He just kind of needed a bit of a breather for a while. Um, and then he got a drummer called Colin O'Brien from Ballinagore, just outside Mullingar. Um, yeah, and then we just, like, I had put one of the singles out straight away. And I didn't know what to, um, I didn't know, like, if I was going to get on well with the boys, like, personality-wise or creatively. Because, you know, those kind like, I had me house bet on The Resurrection. Whereas now I was kind of like, right, what am I going to even call this or whatever? So I just said, look, I'll release the first single under Scally and see what happens. Um, this was Get Ready for War, was it? No, this was The Seventh Commandment. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I wrote, it was The Seventh Commandment. Yeah, it's one of our better ones. We always finished the set with that. But yeah, so then like, that was the first song under Scally. And uh, we were just going around gigging as Scally and then uh, once I knew then right like after a couple of months I knew right the boys are solid we're all working together we all get on great together Um, then I was like right boys we need to like either give the band a name or whatever and they were like all the boys were like oh look Scal you do all that do any of the interviews the photos all the, the stuff is quite, like they're not too arse they're quite chilled aren't they like yeah he's very chilled Colin yeah. seems like a very chilled that dude yeah yeah he is yeah. Colin do, do you know and then Ben is in another band, has loads going on, so he's like, oh, you do all that kind yeah. of stuff, and like, do you know what, like, they all think I do it quite well, um, and whatever, and just were like, you lead the way with it, and I was like, yeah, but you still need, like, the band then needs a name, and such, so then I think, uh, <laughs> Eddie texted me, me and Eddie were like, firing messages to each other, and we were like, coming up with all these, uh, weird names, or I, do you know, I can't even remember half of them, and then, uh, Eddie texts me, what about the rats? <laughs> and then I instantly, I was like, no, you're the dirty rats. <laughs> that's how it was Yeah, born. yeah, so that's how we uh, began then Scally and the dirty rats. But dirty. The dirty rats. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, but all, say all the releases on Spotify, YouTube and all that. See, all that had already been established as Scally. Okay, right. Okay. And it's it's like logistically, it's really awkward and hard to um, go about changing your name, particularly on Spotify, because like they don't. It's not like you can ring up a customer service kind of thing. It's all kind of painstaking. So the boy said, "Look, just leave all that." And he says, "Like, do you know?" And I always introduce us as Scally and the Dirty Rats. But they said, "Look, just leave all the social media and the Spotify stuff as uh, as Scally." Do you know? So. Then since then we brought out a few more singles. Um, let's fuck get re- get ready for war. Uh, filthy animal, um, and all of them have gone down well. We've been doing, you know, uh, lots of gigs around the country and support some cool bands. Because um, I was reading some of the uh, what some of the press were saying about some of the songs. Oh yeah, they're, yeah, they're very good. <laughs> Why don't you look I'm them up? Pull them up here real quick. So what was one of them was so described by Hot Press, energy, balls, and pure rock and roll. And then from Indie Buddy, 
More energy than a Duracell bell on Duracell <laughs> bunny and speed. Yeah, I was happy with that one. That was from a lie. That was a lie review of a gig that we did. Yeah. Um, that was in the Workman's Club in Dublin. I think we were playing with a band called New Valley Wolves and Submotion, who are now called Sick Love. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I suppose. But this I, is something I want to talk about. Yeah. Because I've been to your gigs and I think you have this energy up on stage, which is infectious, right? Yeah. So. I think, where was I? I was probably at the Workman's Club and then probably in a few in Mullingar. Yeah. And what I've noticed when people, when you're on stage, man, everybody is so completely engaged and they're giving you the full intention and they're loving it. They're going crazy. And the question I want to ask is, because look, if you're looking on the, on the, a line of norma- normality to crazy, right? Yeah. So you have your balaclavas, you have your, <laughs> your uh, speakers out. Megaphone, yeah. Stuff written on your chest. Yeah. Do you think you represent this kind of, uh, I, su- I suppose, in today's society of music or today's world of music, uh, creativity and individualism at its best because you're just being who you are, you're living, and you're just expressing your own kind of music the way you yeah. do on stage? And do people look at you and think, does it give them confidence? Does it give them like, ah, this guy doesn't give a damn what other people think? And this coming yeah. from the coaching aspect of where I'm yeah. coming from here, it's like you do represent that kind of, this lad doesn't give a damn. He's doing what he wants to do here. He's on stage. He's going crazy. Yeah. So um, how'd you get into that that state then of just not caring, um, I suppose? I don't know. Just, so just, just you're in that flow, man. I like, just never cared like about, like, you know, I, the first gig we did, I had like me balaclava and I had this fucking thing with a big flame on it. I don't know. There was these two things. I think I got them out of woodies. Like there were things like, you know, you see them on holidays. These oh, the big like poles kind of made out of bamboo and they have like a little flame. They're meant to be like a real kind of exotic decorative thing. But I had them out lighting them up like get ready for war. Like two lanterns, you know, and we're going to wreck the gaff. But um, I don't know what people think when like, do you know if it inspires them or whatever but um i suppose i wouldn't consciously think of oh if what i'm doing is inspiring anyone i just go and do what i love and think is fun so like the balaclavas and the megaphones and like writing the stuff across my chest that's just me like expressing myself and when i'm on stage you know yeah that's really me i suppose expressing myself in in my truest form in a way artistically anyway you know and like just there like ripping me clothes off and you know having porn the baby oil and stuff all <laughs> over it gets like you know and the megaphones well, and that and jumping into the crowd and like i love doing the thing where i pour the whiskey into syringes and then like inject it into the people's mouth and like it's just fun for me fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's yeah, expressive yeah. you know and but the thing is you would hope like uh, now that you made me kind of think it's i'm really only thinking about it now but it would be nice if it does inspire people or if it does make them say, do you know what, I'm going to express myself, do you know, to feel maybe a bit more freedom and more confidence, confidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to express themselves and to be like, yeah, that fella doesn't give a fuck, why should I, I'm going to go out. <laughs> like if that actually does, then that's that's more important to me yeah. because when I'm writing, so I'm writing a song at the minute, it's with um, Andrew Cody, he used to be a play, or he's playing in Fallen Lights, um, and he's he's living in Mullingarry's from Waterford and the two of us have kind of developed a really good songwriting partnership and it's called Connect but it's about there's a, there's actually there's a lot of different themes going on in the song but one of them is 
about how what you're doing and creatively it's not and um, the songs we're singing and trying to write and produce and you know perform it's not about us as individuals it's about trying to connect and bring everyone together do you know what yeah, i mean yeah. and to make them like feel it as much feel as we feel energy. it yeah. yeah and it's yeah. about bringing like people together and you know creating a solidarity but a fucking yeah. big explosion of solidarity and a buzz and like an enjoyment and like people can go mad and dance and laugh and kiss and fuck you know go yeah yeah, but yeah. Th- and that's what like but that's what you get when you're yeah. at your gigs though you get that energy you get yeah. that closeness that connection with people yeah but the thing is like the gigs are the gigs are nothing if people don't come do you know what i mean yeah. so that's why it's like a it's not a singular thing it's a duality between yeah. myself and the band myself and the band with the with the crowd you know mm-hmm. this is only a rehearsal if no one comes that's why it's mm-hmm. a thing that you try and bind yourself and the audience together so that you're just one big yeah. buzz together yeah, you know yeah, yeah so that's like that's a and like i do you know and that's what gives me like great pleasure like you do obviously write songs for yourself as well in the sense that you enjoy doing them and performing them and that but like the main thing is bringing people together and watching them enjoying it you know yeah yeah so talking about the music today in today's world what's your mm-hmm. opinion on i suppose going back to the same question creativity and individualism do you think it's I suppose if you look back to the 60s and 70s of rock and roll and punk rock and roll you're yeah. kind of in Ireland you're you're way up there in terms of I suppose the height of punk rock and roll and yeah. kind of going all out yeah what's your opinion on music today um I'd have loads of different opinions there's lots of good music out there you know but I think um a lot of the best music isn't getting the airplay that it deserves, you know, on the radio. Now, I know there is lots of other avenues you can go down. You know, you have Spotify and YouTube, you know, and that, and so and social media helps you get out there an awful lot. But still, people driving in their cars, listening to the radio, that's where, that's where you build your fan base because if they're hearing you three times a day, they're on the radio, you know, that's what's going to get people saying, who's that band, who's that, do you know what I mean? What's that song? And that's what gets ticket sales and that's what gets people going to your gigs. But there's cur- currently the radio is saturated with um, a lot of overproduced pop music. And there's a lot of alternative genres that aren't getting the airplay. They'll get it on late night radio stations. And there's some great DJs like uh, Dan Hegarty and Paul McClune um, who will play alternative kind of stuff or just stuff that isn't mainstream like one but, station would be would be nova fm would they be the yeah kind of nova's probably about the only one now like yeah nova's about the only one really that will play kind of alternative stuff during the day but we had like i don't know if you're familiar with txfm did you ever hear that radio station that was started as a pirate radio station called phantom a lot of geez about 10 years ago but then um then they they changed to called TXFM and they played like so many cool alternative bands and even Irish bands as well that helped Irish bands blossom and you know build build the band up and get people coming to their gigs um, and that avenue doesn't exist you know for 
bands for struggling Irish bands anymore because it's so what you hear on the radio particularly during the daytime is so commercial and so pop orientated um but then again i think i think then too what you hear on the radio represents what's going on like culturally as well a lot because how would you say like the radio stations are under pressure because they sell advertisement and that's how they pay their djs and that's how they make their money and the advertisers want their ad or the companies want their adverts reaching as many people as possible and the way it works is then that they say, right, what music are we going to play that has the most listeners? And it's the pop. So you can see, I can understand to a certain degree why the radio has to play that. Because it's business for them and they have to reach as many people as possible. But and that's where the line can get a bit blurry between business and, you know, artistry and creativity. Because to me, it's always been about the music and not the but business. But then the radio stations kind of... <clears throat> putting out the songs that only people can listen to so they don't even get to listen to different types of music or genres yeah and I wouldn't mind there's so many DJs right that like, I know sorry just for instance they're just going back like when I was living in the States I was listening to the station and it was just always top 10 man top yeah. every station had top 10 music and I to even find another band or to come across another band or another song I had to literally go on to Spotify and just shuffle or whatever yeah. you know what I mean like I yeah, know, but like, don't get me wrong. There's a place. There's a place for every genre of music, and all that pop music that you hear on the radio. I think, like, you know, that should be on the radio as well. But it's just, it just shouldn't saturate the climate as much as it does. You know, there should be kind of an equal playing field for pop, punk, folk, reggae, ele- electronic music. You know, whatever genre of music, but. That's what I think. But then again, like like you said, the radios are hamstrung in that kind of way that they have to cater towards the people that are paying them the money for the to advertise on their station. But so it's like how do you kinda how do you win, do you know? But, it's um, kind of a never ending circle of going back to the yeah. adverts and yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So and there's a lot of there's a lot of brilliant bands out there that aren't being heard because you know, they haven't got access to that, to the biggest platform, you know, they can try and do it themselves, you know, but there's lots of other factors that come into it as well, but um, that one for me kind of irks with me a little bit, because I know there's some, there's radio DJs that are on daytime radio playing pop music, I know for a fact, like on the national stations that love like alternative music, there's like one particular radio DJ who is like one of the biggest in the country, um, and he goes like to loads of rock shows and whatever gigs and loads of different alternative music but he can't play them on the station you know and I did I did a radio I did a actual uh, what do you call it, radio production course with Today FM there a few years ago and I kind of seen that that was going to be the case and I was like Jesus why was to try and pursue a job in radio or something like that I'd never be able to play the music I liked you, you know liked, yeah. so I just decided not to pursue it but mm. What's happening guys? I hope everybody is enjoying this episode so far. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my two main sponsors of this episode, Spoonful Botanical and NutsandGrains.ie. Just a quick reminder to use Prime Life 10 when shopping online on NutsandGrains.ie or you can use the promo code in store. Alright guys, let's get back to my conversation with Skelly.
I want to talk about the biggest soccer game in Ireland, football game in Ireland. The biggest game ever. Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have this single coming out. Um, <coughs> when is it? Sometime in mid-March. Although there is going to be an exclusive screening of it and a gig in Mullingar um, on the 7th of March upstairs in Canton Casey's. But it's coming out soon and it's called Football's Greatest. Um, it's about a friend of mine who was a professional footballer with Sunderland. But yeah, it's a really interesting story. His life is the maddest story ever. But um, yeah, so I wrote a song about him and I was like, right, I'm going to release that one next. And I was chatting to Connor English, um, who we mentioned earlier. And I was like, what will we do for this video? And we were thinking like, if we had to like try and video or like chronicle his life and journey of what I wrote the song about. But then I was like, oh man, we need like a budget of like two million if we wanted to do it justice. <laughs> so I just texted him then one of the days and then he was like, I was like, what will we do for it? And then he was like, let's play the biggest football match ever. <laughs> he, said he said that and he texted it in capital letters, right? And it was like, I loved him already, but it's just like when he just, it's things like that when he texted me that, like that made me love him even more because like he just wants to, you know, he's exact sings off the exact same hymn sheet as me in terms of like pushing the boundaries and saying, yeah, we can do anything. <laughs> we can play the biggest match ever. We can do whatever we want, like, you know? So I was like, when he sent me that, I was like, yeah, we're going to play the biggest match ever. And we didn't know how we were going to do it or what we were going to go about, like, you know, what way we were going to go about it. But we just knew that we were going to do something cool. So... I looked up the biggest football match ever played in the world, right? And it it was in it was in the Guinness Book of Records and it was in uh, Chile. <coughs> and um like it was a match played with three thousand people, but it was always eleven aside. They were rotating as you know that kind of way. So oh, okay, it it didn't okay, okay, it yeah. wasn't one big match that was played and there was all these people on the field at any one time. It was eleven v eleven at all times. So I was like try, ringing the Guinness Book of Records and they weren't answering me and I was sending them emails and I was like, what was the biggest game ever? And I got through to one fella and he was like, he didn't really understand. He was like, I think he was, he wasn't Irish and he probably didn't understand me roaring down the phone at me and me take Mullingar accent. But I was like, well, yeah, but how many people were on the pitch at that time? And I was like, I'm going to set the record. So I got on to... Uh, they they didn't count for they wouldn't account for a record of all the people on the pitch at the one time, so then I rang the FAI, and then I was like, right, what's the biggest game that's ever been played in Ireland? Because if we're not going to be able to get a world record, even though it was like different to the the dynamics of it were different to the one they had in their book, but we said, look, we'll just set the record for Ireland, and I rang this guy in the FAI, and he said um, he thinks. They didn't have an official record, but they had it that it was either 90 or 96. They didn't know which one. He was like, he was, I'll have to ring Bohemians and try and get confirmation. And he says, but it's definitely either 90 or 96. So I was like, don't worry about getting confirmation. I was like, we're just going to play a game now between 100 people and that's it. So then I just was like, right, Connor, we advertise uh, like these posters up that we're going to play the biggest football game ever played in Ireland. And... Um, in the lead up to it, that was that went ahead in September, but it was coming up to Cemetery Sunday in Mullingar. Anyone that doesn't know what I mean when I say Cemetery Sunday, it's like the blessing of the graves, and um, 
my cousin Lee Scally, he died in a car crash um, in August 2012. Well, he died a couple of days. He died three days after the crash was on the 18th and he died on the 21st in Mullingar Hospital. But um, it was coming, it was the blessing of the graves um, in August of that month. And I remember I was over at the, I was over at the grave and I just, I just, um, usually I'd be kind of, sometimes go over to see him on my own or that, and you know, you might shed the odd tear or whatever, but like over time kind of, you know, you just, I just wouldn't, I hadn't cried in ages, been over there and then I was over there that cemetery Sunday and I was just kneeling, I was kneeling down on the grave and I just like floods of tears came out of me and I was there. Um, yeah, and I was just, I was just bawling my eyes out, and I remember looking there and I thought like that, I'd really want to do something for families who had um, lost people in car crashes or, you know, or who'd been severely injured in car crashes or whatever, and um, I kind of thought to myself that I'd just maybe donate the proceeds of a gig or something, to, you know, because about six months before that we did a gig and I donated all the entrance fees to the Simon community and I thought I might just do something similar but then I was like I went home a couple of days later and um I was thinking I was like right we're gonna play this big football match I was like why not like try and do some sort of aspect charity aspect for that and donate the money so I advertised it that we were going to ask everyone who played to donate at least a fiver to play the match um so yeah and then i rang donna price who is the founder and chairperson of the irva the irish road victims association and i rang her and told her what i wanted to do and why i wanted to do it and she was very grateful and um Yes, yeah, so we organised the match for Sunday, the eighth of September, and the sun was splitting the stones. Thank God, we got like special jerseys made with Scally and the Dirty Rats on them and the whole lot. And um, you were playing in the middle, aren't you? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. The first half of the match, we just played a big match, fifty against fifty, and like I was kind of sweating it because everyone was like, "Oh, geez, how many are we gonna get?" And we needed a hundred. Yeah. And then we had like 98 and then there was just uh, two spectators <laughs> Scrambling watching. Scrambling ringing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was two spectators because we had a good crowd down watching it as well. And uh, I grabbed, okay. I says, you two, will you jump in and play? So they did. So we had 50 v 50 and we had another 40 or 50 watching it. And the ice cream man and everything came down. So <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> but then, yeah, so we played the match. It was 50 v 50 and it was just madness. So I was funny and everyone... Then in the second half, we actually set the band up in the middle of the pitch and had had the game going on around us, which looked, visually for the video, looked really cool and it was great crack. But um, it was such a great day, like, to bring, to bring the, like, you know, community together like that, not only to make something artistically, like, deadly and really cool, but we also set a record for the biggest game of football ever played in Ireland and to do it all while we raised... I think it was 1,600 on the day. Yeah, it was 1,600 um, for the Irish Road Victims Association. Um, 
So to do all three things like that, make a music video, raise that money for such a good cause, and uh, set a record for the biggest game of football ever. So is it now set? Is it officially set? Yeah, like I I rang the FBI and I said to them, I have (laughs) all the evidence. Is it in the book? Uh, I don't know what book it's in, (laughs) but we made the, we established that record. And unless I see anyone playing a bigger game than that, that's our record and that's it. So, (laughs) but the video... um, is out yeah. March 7th. Is that the video no, you're doing? The no, the video is out on the 13th, I think. But what we're doing is we're, there's a three-minute version of the video and then there's an eight-minute version. And we're having an exclusive premiere screening of it um, upstairs in Canton Casey's. And we're going to watch preview or we're going to show the eight-minute video and myself and Connor are going to stand up and have a bit of a chat about it and tell them because it was a bit of a big deal like you know we thought we wanted to celebrate it because not only did we do all those things like set the record and raise the money blah 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 but then i was actually awarded i was the irva um presented me and with an award and um, one of their global lights uh, light of hope awards um at their kind of annual uh, remembrance ceremony. Ah, fantastic! Well done, man. Yeah, well done. What's it called? Uh, What's Glo- the award? Global Light of Hope Award. They give them to I think there was ten people. I think it was ten people on the day who have, um, done I suppose a great service to raise awareness and money to their mm-hmm. foundation, their cause, and to help remember those people who died on the roads. So we just thought, with all that entailed. Let's make let's celebrate, celebrate this, it, and yeah. we're going to have the exclusive screening <coughs> of the video in Canton Casey's in Mullingar on Saturday, March seventh. And we're also there's a lot of songs I've been writing. I've kind of, like you said earlier, a lot of the the releases so far have been punk rock or kind of rock and roll kind of vibe, nineties kind of vibe. But I've been working on a lot of different songs at the minute, different sounding songs, really funky stuff. So I just got, I was just listening to them this morning because the producer just sent them back to me there. And so we're also going to have a brass section and a keyboard player. No way. Brilliant. So the first half of this. Yeah, yeah. The first half of the set is going to be kind of what you'd, you're used to and what you'd expect from Scally and the Dirty Rats. And then we're just going to bring a few more boys in and funk it up and Brilliant. get that people good, get people dancing and get them sweating and getting all sexy. You know what I <laughs> mean? <laughs> the scally way. Yeah, baby. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So, yeah. So, but it was a great day. And that, like, I think, when I think back my whole life, like, it's probably um, making that video and setting that record and raising the awareness and, like, particularly having done it for in remembrance of my cousin Leeds, you know, is probably the thing I'm most proud of in my whole life that I've done, you know. So But I remember when we got home, like we played the match and like it was such a beautiful day and everyone was like texting me and congratulating me and saying, Oh, well done and blah 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 and whatever. But when I got home, like I just like I completely just like broke down and like started bawling my eyes out. And I'd like thinking of me uh thinking of me cousin lee like you know just because like as much as the day was a success and it was beautiful and it was brilliant like you know i would have fucking traded it all like you know to just 
to have him here on stage, you know. So mm-hmm. that's was, a very beautiful thing you did, man. Yeah, very beautiful. And it's great that you can get so many people around to uh, yeah. to join in on that, you know, and celebrate the, I suppose the yeah the good cause that you that you did. Well done, man. Brilliant. Thanks, son. Brilliant, um, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, only for me, man. All everyone was like ready to go out, you know, and celebrate and go for a few pints. I mean, man, it was just like holding me like a baby because it was balling. But yeah, it was great. It was. You have great. a soft heart. I do. I know. If we don't, start, if we don't start talking about something else, we're gonna start balling. But um, yeah, yeah, I have a big, soft, fucking romantic heart. But you, by your looks, your yeah, and this is another like your your rock and roll music and the way you portray yourself. But actually, this is another thing I wanted to talk about. Is. Uh, you're big into poetry as well. Another kind of soft side to you, I suppose. Uh, yeah, well, like, I won't declare that I'm a poet by any stretch of the imagination, but, like, I just write, like, I suppose... I'm poet- it's the way you express yourself, though, in terms yeah. of... I was actually chatting to Mako about this randomly. You know, talk, yeah. We were talking about art therapy. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's looking into doing, like, teaching people art therapy. Is he, yeah? And I was thinking about it in my head. I was like, how does this really work? And then I was like, you know, if you go to a counsellor, you talk to somebody, you, you you express how you're feeling, you let go of your emotions, your feelings, you you, you let it off your chest. Yeah. And, and that's how I suppose it is with poetry, it is with, with, with art, it is with music. You, you and I suppose, you express, express the way you're feeling through different avenues, or yeah. through different channels. You know, and I suppose that's the way it is with poetry. And I, yeah. I suppose art and, and even your creative way on stage. So yeah. do you think you do express your... I suppose through poetry. Do you, yeah, do you like I guess so. Like, I kind of tend, I kind of tend to do things off the cuff. Yeah, off the cuff. Yeah, I was you gonna, know, yeah. in the in the more like it's very, I suppose, flary and off the cuff. You know, and but I suppose it does it does act. I suppose even without maybe consciously thinking of it, I'm just kind of like consciously thinking of it now that we're talking about it. Yeah, but. It would act therapy. It would act as therapy in a way because, in the sense that, like, you have all these things like going on in your head, and then like you just put them on paper, and so they're no longer floating around in your head, clogging up your not even clogging up your brain, but they're just like I have stuff going on in my brain, and like it's like I sometimes feel like these. I feel like ah, like this sounds going to sound mad, but like sometimes I feel like feel like I have like these like African tribe men dancing around in my head. Like that's how many ideas. Like you know, like boom, 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 like this. Oh, I can't even explain it, but it's like these all these thoughts, and it's like they're making all these sounds in my brain, and it's like I have to like pour, like just nearly like let it out. Yeah, yeah, let them out, express yeah. them. Yeah, Do you know yeah. what I was telling her? Right? I've been seeing this girl, Jade is her name, and I was telling her about me, bra- like having so many ideas in my brain that I need to get them out on paper, right? That I was trying this, oh, sometimes I struggle with me sleep, and this is going to make me sound like an idiot to anyone listening, but I was there, right? And I had all these thoughts going on, and I was, oh, I was just I was in bed and I didn't want to get out and start writing them down, you know. So I was just like this. I got like me two hands and put them to the crown of me head, right? And I started letting on. I was pulling a rope, right? And I was yeah. doing this, like this action, like pulling, pulling like you would, like like you're rolling an extension lead, but you're pulling it out instead of rolling it in. And I was doing this and I did this. So I was like, right, I'm just pulling all these thoughts out of my head, getting them out of my head, pulling them out, pulling the rope, keep pulling the rope. 
and I was asleep in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Got a day. So I don't know how we're after yeah. even getting to talk about yeah. that, but like going back to what you were saying um about like poetry and writing like I would definitely not like deem myself a poet because I don't give um I don't give enough diligence to those kind of poetic things that I write, but I would be, I suppose, poetic in my ways, uh, by times and the way I express. But you know myself. what, there's so many people out there that <clears throat> probably would like to write poetry and don't. Yeah. Or they're afraid to express it. I just think it's great that you can express it. You can be yourself on stage, yeah. be a rock and roller, and then you can just write a beautiful piece of poetry. It's just, yeah. that's what I think is cool. Yeah. Do you know well, what I mean? It's like, you're not you're not trying to be one person, you're just being yourself. Yeah, I know, I can't be one person, because I'm a lot of different people. <laughs> you're a lot of African people <laughs> oh, in your head. <laughs> yeah, but like, it's, yeah. you know, you have to express, but this is the thing, right? You can be, to me, and some people see, I like, I worked as a teacher and now in a, in a job where I still work with kids but not as a teacher. And like, I mean, this woman was saying to me at, like, at Christmas, I suppose she'd be quite narrow-minded, I guess, to a certain extent, but maybe she was just struggling to understand. But she was like, no, this doesn't add up. She was like, you're a teacher, she said, and she was looking at the way I was dressed. I was kind of dressed similarly to the way I am now, with like leopard print jeans and my bandana and all my rings and chains and stuff. And she was like, no, this doesn't add up. You can't be a teacher, do you know what I mean? But like, I was thinking, oh God, how narrow-minded is this woman? Like, Because it's possible to be so many different entities at the one time. There's so many yeah. different I mean, entities are just labels, aren't they? That yeah, societies yeah. labeled us as yeah. If there's so, it's possible to be so many different versions of yourself. You know what I mean? At any given time, like the same. But are they different versions? Or are they just yourself? Yeah. Well, that's well, that's the bigger question. Yeah. But to, like I was thinking, like of simplifying it, like that would be me say, to say yeah. that to someone who's not. I know what you mean. Yeah, understanding of what you are. You could say you're like different versions of yourself the whole time, but they're actually just one big self. Just one big self with yeah. different interests. Like. Yeah, they're just different strands of the one self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like you can be, do you know, it's the same way when you're when you're with your mother, your father, your their son, and when you're with your siblings, you're their brother. When you're, when you're here hosting your podcast, you're a podcast host, you know. Mm -hmm. When you're in your, when whatever you're doing, do you know, they're all different strands of your personality and make up who you are and it's why each individual is so interesting because there is Do you think so it's important to to live all those different strands oh yeah express them yeah, yeah well I, you can. yeah because mm -hmm. if you don't you're suppressing a part of yourself that's there but it's locked away and i think if you lock parts of yourself away then it will manifest in a way that's not good because it will either chip away at you in the sense that maybe if you're like if people are afraid which they often are to express themselves you know and they're not doing it for whatever reason it could build a sense of sadness or deflation or being defeated that they're they're unable to do that you know there's plenty of people that have wonderful things locked inside them that they never get to express you know, and if I think if you have that and you know it and you don't express it, then that will chip away at you in some way, shape or form. But, you know, some people, I think they don't find the right environment to do so. So it's about finding, I guess, your place 
and where you're most comfortable and the proper platform to do so and surrounding yourself with good people who will support you and what you do in order to flourish you know yeah that was that was beautiful man that's <laughs> very powerful no i mean it is it is yeah. people are afraid to say those things you know people yeah. are afraid to even express the way you just did there because it's like ah, oh, it's fluffy it's airy but it's not yeah i think in today's world you have to and i think what you said there about environment mm-hmm. or not your environment is one i think confidence confidence is a big one people are afraid of, of expressing themselves people yeah. are afraid to being who they really are and, and showing that because they've put themselves into a box or society's put them into a box mm. or they're hanging out, I suppose, with the wrong friends and yeah. the friends are just a certain way yeah. and you're just afraid to be a certain, another way. Yeah, it is. It's true. But that's why I guess, you know what I mean? You have to, it's so important like to be in or even to build that environment yourself. Yeah, create which, that yeah, environment. Yeah. Create that space. Make the moves. Yeah. I think it's very important. To make that. Because yeah, I think if you don't, uh, tension will build up in your body. You know, a lot of stress will build up in your body. Anger and resentment, you know, know. Resentment of yourself. Yeah. So. Do you know, I, like, I, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine if I wasn't able to express myself. I think I'd be, like, so depressed if I couldn't do what I do, do what I do. But I'm lucky. I suppose I'm lucky and, yeah, I'm very lucky in the sense that I have a family who have been really supportive i've you know met great lads in a in a great band who were supportive and um i have a good community and network around me that allows me but you know not even allows me but helps me i guess um express myself all the time but i also think that it does take an element of bravery particularly if you don't have those conditions you know, those supportive condi- conditions, it can be. Because I know a few people, and a few people like close enough to me who who aren't as confident but have lots of creativity within them. And I'm te- like, I've been <clears throat> someone I had a conversation with this week, and I remember I told her, I was like, You have so, she was t- saying that she was wanted to take an easier option rather than the more creative one, which she's drawn, drawn to, you know. And I was like, because she was scared of taking that leap because mm. of the vulnerabilities associated with exposing yourself. Yeah. But I like, so I was on the phone to her and I think she rang me because she knew I'd put her right. And I was like, no, this that's what you need to do. I says, because you're going to get in there. I says, and you can make a difference. I says, once you get that platform, mm. you know, it's like, and you can go in there. I says, and don't be, it's, I said, it, you always have these maybe little fears or hesitations when it comes to taking you know, exposing yourself and being creative and moving into newer environments. I says, but you can go in there. I says, and you're going to be even more creative. I says, once you get in there and start getting stuck in, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and really establish yourself. And fr- from that point, you can build your platform and really express yourself and make a difference, you know. Yeah. I don't want to say too much detail over because it's not my... Yeah, well, no, you know. I mean, I, I I can resonate with that. You know, it's 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 that's what we do in coaching. That's yeah. it's a lot of that, man. It's just a re- like people think life coaching is this like thing where I can give you life advice and it's not. It's just breaking down people's limiting beliefs and just yeah. building them up from because a lot of people just have these fears and doubts and their inner voices are just driving them crazy in terms of who they should be and what they should do and why they can't get from A to B when, when they can. Yeah. It's just giving them the right, I suppose, toolkit. That's it, yeah, to navigate. But like, yeah, I suppose it, 
I try and uh, I think I understand that as well, but I guess I I feel lucky in the sense that I've never had those fears. Mm. I guess you know I've just been. Yeah, I was just going to ask you: Did you have it? Did you ever have any of those fears? Or I suppose no. when I suppose like choosing your career over, I suppose maybe is it your te- Did you have to choose this kind of career over your teaching, or was that just something that that you didn't want to do? And I, this is the other thing I wanted to bring up as well: was your where do you stand on religion? Because I know you studied religion. Where do you stand yeah. now in religion? Oh, I don't know. You're after asking me a few questions there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which question do you want me to answer first? The religion or the cold career? Talk about the religion. That's a bit Talk more about the religion. Yeah. I don't, like, I've been quite conflicted. As part, I wanted, like, to be a teacher. And I did my arts degree. Then I did a master's in social justice and equality studies. Um, and we in by the women gender and society department within that and um then i did a degree in religion in saint patrick's college in minute to give myself an extra subject for a job before i did the h-dip um and when yeah i did religion but now i remember i came out with that course and i did it just to give myself an extra subject and because because it was quite an interesting thing to do and i just left that and i thought jesus I believe in God less than I did beforehand, you know? Really? Yeah, it was, um, uh, it just, I didn't, I didn't feel like a whole lot from the course. So do you not believe in, in God itself or do you believe in just, or do you not believe in the religion or the story, the Bible or Jesus? I don't know what I believe in. I'm so, I'm so conflicted. I go through, I go through different stages where like, I don't think I believe in a one God, right? That rule, not even rules everyone, but that has, created everyone i don't know how would you put it i believe in energy and i believe in connection and i believe in souls and i believe in spirits because i'm telling you right i've had so much um i've developed you like some really good relationships with people in the last year connor english would be one in particular right and there's a net there's like I feel, and I'm not kidding you, you might think I'm a bit mad when I say it, but I, when I was drawn to him, right? And the, the energy brought me and him together. And I mean, there's an energy, a creative energy and a personal energy that me and him, I just feel that we just, there's so much positive energy that exists between us. And then like great things flourish because in the short space of time that me and him have been, have known each other and become friends. Not only like has so much happened from a personal but creative perspective that, you know, nearly takes years to happen in different friendships and relationships. But I just, yeah, I believe in energy and I believe in souls because like our bodies, our bodies are made up of energy. Our, our hands, our fingers, that table, this computer, these microphones are made up of energy. And energy can't be destroyed. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. I don't know what's the correct term for it. It's it's indestructible. That it can't be. Energy can move from place to place, but it can't be extinguished. Yeah, yeah, yeah it cannot be extinguished. Right, yeah. and if our bodies are made up of energy, mm-hmm. when the physical body dies, mm-hmm. where is that? That energy goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. It has to. Yeah, it's like so. I don't know if that goes into another realm, another another yeah, dimension and, of yeah. yeah. Whether it goes to another realm, and that's like our kind of. Uh, perceptions of heaven mm-hmm. i don't know but or if it goes into like say the whole process of reincarnation where yeah. 
you come back as a Labrador or something. <laughs> but, I don't know about that. No, I don't know. But yeah. I do believe I, I'm kind of in the same wavelength as you. Yeah, I do believe. Wait, what do you think? I, uh, I believe there's something bigger out there than us. Yeah, I don't know if hundred percent. I don't know if it's somebody or some god. I I believe that there's a bigger energy force, a bigger something when we die is like I feel when we all die or when when I die I'm like ah that's that's what all life is about I feel like something might click you know what I mean something's gonna happen after I hope it does in terms of religion yeah I don't know if I believe in I I don't know if I believe in you know the story of the Bible or Jesus Christ and that whole kind of narrative and concept Mm. but my opinion on religion is I think it serves a purpose for yeah. some people and I, I would never I would never if somebody turned around to me and I wouldn't be the type of person to say ah you know religion is stupid don't believe in yeah, it yeah. don't believe in God I'd never be like that because I think religion serves purpose and I think the one word if I describe it would be hope mm. I suppose some people need hope some people need this story to be built up some people need like like some people their brain's very different like I'm okay with just knowing that there's a bigger energy out there yeah, I'm yeah, okay yeah. I don't know what it is but some people need a definite story this is how it started and this is how it ends and then you're going to go to heaven. Yeah. And I suppose if, I'm like even man, going back to like, I was like in church at Christmas, Christmas morning or Christmas, or sorry, uh, Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Mass serves a purpose there, right? Because there's like hundreds of people in the cathedral, right? Yeah. Nobody's on the phone. Nobody's talking. Everybody's sitting and just, and maybe you're just in your own thoughts. You're not even listening to the priest. But it's kind of beautiful in its own it way is. because it's like a form of like we're all here together as yeah, community. Yeah. We don't really know what we're doing all in this church, but we're all here together because we believe in something bigger and it serves a purpose. So I think religion serves a purpose in different ways. Like if you want to go into the church, you know, I remember when I was going through my hard time going back with my uh, weed episode oh, years yeah, yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to that podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to go into... I went into the church, man, every day for like six months just to say a prayer. Did you? Yeah, yeah. For six months? Yeah. Wow. I had to, man. Did you? And because you, it wasn't you, like I had a great family around me and they understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could talk to people and they were always very supportive of my friends. And But it wasn't that. It was like the church served a purpose for me just to go in and as talking about being creative again, I expressed something off my chest. Mm-hmm. I was able to talk to somebody who... You know, if my friends didn't want to listen or, you know what I mean? I just had to talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah. That serves a purpose. It does. Do I believe in God or or do I believe in Jesus and the story? I don't know. But do I believe in, when I came out at church, I know every day I was like, ah, I feel better now. Good. So that's yeah. what, that's my stance on religion and, and yeah. God. Like I believe, like, yeah, I do. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I love, like, when you think of the concept of mass, I love that it brings community members together. There's a peacefulness there. The singing of the songs, the drinking and whatever. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, and it is, it does, in the sense that pe- it does give people great hope, and that feeling of things will be okay, yeah. and everything. And if it helps people get through, if that belief in a God in a heaven that and that they will be reunited with their loved ones, you know, if that serves that purpose, which it does for many people then that's great. But I don't know if I believe in, in the, I suppose, the thing which orchestrates mass, which is the belief in a God as such. I, uh, you know, and, you know, there's so many different 
the many different religions. I was watching that when I was teaching in a school in Clontarf. I remember showing them uh, the students documentary on Netflix, um, the story of God by Morgan Freeman. Did you ever watch that? No. I started watching. I started. I started. I watched a few clips. Yeah, yeah. On YouTube. It's, yeah. it's really interesting, and he goes, he goes through the different the different religions, and you know, there's so many different religions that don't, but like believe in just one god and there was one time of creation uh like in india they're all about and down at the ganges and they have this mass and it's all i remember with this one of the women and it's all about how they believe in the different cycles of creation and that was something that resonated with me that everything wasn't all created at once and it could have been gradual um and then there's oh what's the name there's a chinese religion that begins with d and it was more though about a spirit of tapping into the kind of spiritual aspect of things and more so about that there was the think that maybe your life is destined for you to be a certain way but that you do definitely have a lot of control over how you navigate the road there do you know so it is it's really interesting so but i do i believe i definitely believe in some yeah there's like a a, a, i feel like there's a higher power or some sort of energetic connection that binds certain people together and that is alive in the atmosphere because there's things that have happened between me and people that are definitely down to something else yeah, no, yeah. I like and, and like people yeah. say, ah, that's just coincidence. I'm like, no, I and I can feel it. Like, there's times where I can feel, like, me ma, my, when I just say this to my family, like, they think I'm smoking drugs and shit, like, but and there's there's times where I can feel like a certain energy going through my body that is so positive that I just have to like, it just manifests in the way I then act and speak and talk mm. that like I can feel it going through me veins. Like I'm not messing. Really? I'm not messing. Yeah. Just, just like it's throbbing through me, this like mad positive energy. And that goes like that. You put that out there and that goes into other people. Go, man, it's infectious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah. it does. It goes into their bodies and they inhale it and they yeah, breathe it as yeah. well and they can feel it. But like, I, I, like sometimes, you know, when you just meet people, yeah, you instantly just get on with them, yeah, right? you just know you're on the same wavelength, yeah, and other people, you just, yeah, oh, don't, yeah, take it yeah. All, well, know? I tell you this, right? I, like I said to you a couple of minutes ago, I've been seeing this beautiful girl there, um, her name is Jade, she's from Dublin for a uh, few months now, right? And I met her and we went, uh, where did we go? We went rock climbing there one of the days. Oh, did you? Where'd you? Oh, no, just one of the places, you know, the indoor yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. So I was like Spider-Man going up there. <laughs> <laughs> I was all right. She was good at it too, like, you know. Um, it's actually a good buzz. Yeah, yeah it, it is, is a good, good buzz. Good. The hands would be torn off you, but it is good. But we were there anyway afterwards and we were sitting down. We were chatting, right? And there's just, there was this energy between us, man. And I'm not cutting you, like, when I say this to you. This is what I was saying about I can, f- like, feel, you know the way you think, Oh, you just, like you said, you get on with people and you click straight away. People sometimes aren't actually consciously aware of that, but I'm like, I feel like I can consciously feel the energy that's kind of bouncing back and forth between us, right? And I said to her, we were chatting about birthdays, right? And she said to me, what was your birthday? And I said to her, September. And then I said, what's yours? And before she went, and then I looked at her and then I was like, the first thing I said, I was like, yeah. Uh, 
I said, it's your birthday. And I was just new by looking at her. I said, you're, <laughs> no. I swear, I swear <laughs> to God, man, right? I swear, I'm not telling you that you can ask her. You can ask her. I'll text her or whatever to, to, to confirm this, right? I looked at her and I looked at her, right? And I was get, feeling this fucking energy off her, right? I said, your birthday's in May, is it? And she went, what? And I was like, yeah. And, I go, and she was like, yeah. And I just knew that, man, from her, no right? And then I said to her, I said to her, 21st. And then I went, oh, no, 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 sorry. I knew it was wrong as soon as I said it. I said, 16th of May. She said, yeah. Uh, no man I way, swear man. I swear to God and she was like oh my god you must be stalking me I was like I'm not <laughs> stalking you I just I knew and it, it wasn't that I had any psychic powers but I was uh, it, I just felt I felt that date wow. coming from her yeah, body yeah, towards yeah, yeah. me well some people man are very uh, they pick up an energy yeah like, so I mean yeah I, well I tell you another one I was there right a couple of weeks ago so Jade if you're listening yeah <laughs> <laughs> He's not great, yeah. man. Yeah. No, I'm not. He's, I'm he's, not. He, has the, he has the Facebook <laughs> out here. Like. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, right. And then a few weeks, oh, was it a couple? It was around the same time, right? Maybe there was a lot of energy bouncing around that week. But I, yeah, it was because that week, right? <laughs> so much positive stuff was happening, right? I could feel, like I was saying to you, I could feel all this positive energy running through my body. Feeling so creative, feeling so alive, just putting out this positive energy, getting loads back. That thing, like, happened with Jade. And then I was like, but then I got a little gammy turn, right? And I got, I just had a little awakening and I said, something bad's going to happen. And I was like, something bad. I said, I could feel nearly like, it was nearly like all this positive energy had gone up too high. And it was nearly something was nearly going to happen to take, to take, uh, balance it a bit more. And I said, something bad's going to happen. I just felt it, right? And I was felt, and I was saying it to myself from here, and I was like, I could feel it. I was like, I know something bad's going to happen. And I said, it's going to, and I re- recently had bought a new car, and I was like, something going to happen with my car. I was driving to work that morning. I was driving to work in the car up to, from Mullingar to Clondalkin, and the whole time I turned off the radio, and I was just sitting with that thought over and over again, and I was, I could feel it. I, I was like, and I was trying to, I suppose I was trying to figure it out what it was going to be. And I was like, what is it going to be? I was like, something bad is, I can feel it. And it just, my car, like I didn't know him, it was my car straight away, came through to me then. It was like, yeah, it's going to be my car. That, so I drove to work anyway, went about my day, didn't think, didn't think too much of it. Completely forgot about it, right? So I went home, got home that evening, was running around doing loads of stuff, music. I think I went to the gym, then I went doing some songwriting. And then it was about, I had to go up and get something for me lunch the next day. And the only place it was, Aldi closed at like, 10 o'clock and I was it was 10 to 10 so I went in what do you call it parked up ran into ran into Aldi came out and my car wasn't I looked at I car parked near the end of the car park and the car wasn't there right the car wasn't where I, I looked because I was looking say far away like my vision was gone like towards the end of the car park and the car wasn't there and I looked to my left hand side like this and here I was absolutely stuck to a bollard I left the handbrake I left the handbrake down and the whole car rolled because there was there was nobody else in the car park because it was 10 to 10 like and the shop closed at 10 o'clock so it rolled from the back of the car park all the way down and hit a bollard at the front of the oh shop and God. the whole bumper and the light were destroyed Jeez. and I was like oh my God wow. I knew that was going to happen I knew it <laughs> 
Man, I knew it. And I wouldn't mind the, the thing about it, right? It was the last bollard before the shop. So if there was oh, any more really? left, it wow. would have gone straight through the double doors of the shop. Oh, uh, man. But, like, I swear, I'm not, like, sh- I'm not telling you a word of a lie. And I remember then I was telling, like, I, I went and I told Jade and I told Connor about it. And they were, and she was like, Jade was laughing and she was like sorry I don't mean to be laughing about your car and I was like I know it's a bad old buzz isn't it and she was like yeah but at least she was like at least, at least you're psychic now <laughs> yes. yeah. but that's like psychic. Ah, well, how's the car anyway uh, I still haven't got it fixed my cousin uh, said he was going to fix it but he hasn't fixed it yet so but man that's the energy I'm telling you sometimes it gets that strong and that much that you can mm. I can feel it in my body and it goes yeah yeah you know I can mm-hmm. just seriously you can feel it well, funny you're talking about this because I was watching. <clears throat> do you have Netflix? I do, but I don't rare. I rarely have the time to sit down and watch know, it. But yeah, I do have yeah. it. But I watched a show called The Goop. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and but it's pretty cool. I forget what the name of the actress on it. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow is it Gwyneth Paltrow? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The blondie one. Blondie one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she did. Uh, she did a documentary on um, psilocybin. What's that? Uh, mushrooms, magic mushrooms. Oh, is that the actual technical Psilocybin, name? Yeah, yeah, technical. Name. I don't be asking the name. I do just <laughs> eating. <laughs> you just take the mushrooms. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, tell me anyway. But it was a good documentary, just talking about the microdosing of psilocybin and mushrooms and yeah. DMT and what else was on it? Ayahuasca. We we're discussing ayahuasca, but uh, yeah, it was about these three girls anyway. And uh, they took, they went to like some ceremony in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and they were talking about. Um, taking about the t- taking the taking the drug, but yeah, just talking about energies. They were they went through this whole kind of I suppose energetic uh, circle of, yeah. of of energies. Now I've mm-hmm. taken it before, yeah, and you've you've taken it a few times, yeah, yeah, a few times. Because because look, let's let's talk about it. You 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 because uh, you're big into I suppose spirituality and connection and yeah. And like, so tell me what 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 what's your thoughts on on the likes of mushrooms. Um, I just feel right, like I like I said to you on a daily basis, I feel very connected with like the energy, loads of different energies, um, and I can like literally feel it pumping through my veins on some days. But I think that any time I've taken magic mushrooms, I've only taken them maybe four or five times, but um. Anytime I've taken them, it nearly heightens that sense of connection. Mm. And you feel like you can feel that energy easier between the people. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, you can nearly, like, I remember I was in Amsterdam there. We were filming a music video in Amsterdam, Guilty, um, with Connor there back in May. And the last night, um, the last night we were there and I got, like, magic mushrooms. And we were there and I just felt like, so much connect, so much connection between everyone, and it was like we were having a great laugh, like dancing and messing in that. But like, I just nearly felt it was like nearly like a magnetic field of connection between everyone. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know that doesn't exist, and like we were having a few drinks or whatever, but it had nothing to do with the drink because it's something that you don't, you never feel this kind of feeling even when you have a few drinks. It's it's like nothing. No, it's different. It's, it's different, completely, completely, it's completely different. different. It's like yeah. your senses are. Heightened. Mine were man when I yeah, mine were completely heightened yeah. through the roof. Yeah. Oh man, it was insane. In what's like 
Well, like that's just one one of the aspects of like I remember Grace was ordering some food like ages <laughs> away, man, like at yeah. some food truck. Yeah. And I was just down, I don't know, I was down chatting to somebody else and I could hear every word she was saying. I was like, I could wow. freaking tune into her. <laughs> yeah. man, it, it is crazy. That's crazy. class. But yeah, yeah no, like, but I mean, like, yeah, it does definitely heighten your senses now. It might, it might sound crazy yeah. saying that, but that's that's how I felt at the time. Yeah. And then, but yeah, no, it's just a complete sense of connection. Like one, like, I remember, mm-hmm. like, mine was a very different setting. Mine was like kind of a ceremonial setting, kind of very chilled out. Yeah. I lay down, I just closed my eyes, man. I literally just closed my eyes for eight hours straight. Yeah. And I was just, just gone into another universe. Yeah. I wasn't part, like it wasn't a party. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I could go anywhere, you know, it's just, it's just insane. And, you know, there's lots of studies now coming out showing microdosing and psilocybin and magic mushrooms help with anxiety, depression, depression and, and stuff. PTSD yeah. And I've seen a lot of that in the news. All right. But yeah, I think like. Say particularly in terms of microdosing and that like it could definitely alleviate some of the symptoms because mm. it, it you do feel that like it's that sense of one and that sense of connection. Like you feel further connected to people, the environment, nature. Yeah. But yeah. Scally, geez, we've been here for a while now. Yeah, we have, we have. So before we I think we'll we'll finish it before we finish up. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of music. Do you have any gigs coming up? Releases? Yeah. What's, what's happening? Um, like I said to you, I think the date for football's greatest is it's either the 12th or 13th of March. That's when the video is coming out. We have a gig on the 7th. That is going to be in Mullingar in Canton Casey's. That is going to be an exclusive premiere of the eight-minute version of the video. And we're going to have... It's going to be... A lot of what you've seen before, but also the second half of the gig is going to be a lot funkier, a lot of brass, keys. It's going to be a lot of new songs that probably won't be played on any other of the gigs that we have uh, coming up because I've kind of been keeping it under wraps because I'm still a little unsure as to what to do with it. But it's they're all them tunes are going to be played on that gig and it's going to be small, sweaty and intimate and it's going to be proper a proper night out. And then we have a gig in Dublin, uh, upstairs in Whelan's, on Mar- Friday, March the 20th. Um, upstairs in Wheelands, it's a midnight hour gig. And this is all to celebrate the release of Football's Greatest, the next single. Okay. So that's what's okay. in the pipeline. And that's where you can get it if you want it. Okay. <laughs> so March 7th. In Mullingar and Canton Casey's. Mullingar Canton Casey's. And the video then is out on the 12th or 13th. I'll have to check my diary. Um... And then on the 20th of March, upstairs in Whelan's at midnight. Perfect. Sounds great, man. That's where you can get I'll us. I'll be there, boy. Yep, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bud. We'll yeah. look at Cheers, we'll son. leave it at that. Thanks a million for coming on, man. Thank you very much for having oh, me. Very it's much appreciate brilliant. it. It's been a great chat. <laughs> right. Chat to you.